0: This is so fabulous. Uh, I don't know if you recall when we all had to shut down all of a sudden, all the churches all around um, all around the world. And, and we thought it would just be a couple weeks and we'd all just come back like normal. And then it went a little farther and then pretty soon we realized we wouldn't get to worship in Easter time uh, in the church. And some people started to suggest in, in various places, including here, they said, well, let's, let's just pick a date. And it'll be like Easter. (laughs) Who knew it would be this long? This is a little bit like that. So thank you for being with us, whether you are here in person or joining us virtually. It's a glorious thing. And in fact, it's a momentous time for us to be gathered this particular weekend when there is cause to reflect on what we have seen and experienced in the last two decades. And I'm very mindful that you know, I remember where I was. I uh, don't think of myself as old, even though my beard is starting to be a little white here. Uh, but I, I was already in grad school. I was in divinity school on that day, September 11th, 2001. And I know there there are some in this room that were in elementary school or weren't even born. But if you remember that day... It is likely to be a very vivid memory for you. And I want to share with you, not actually a story from that day, but from what happened uh, in my life right after that day. In fact, I was going to attend a birthday party in Manhattan. I was living outside of Manhattan, pretty short drive away. And I was going to attend a birthday party of a good friend of mine on September 12th, Wednesday. Now, of course, that birthday party had to essentially be called off for a time. Uh, The island was sealed off and it wasn't a time to have a party at all on the 12th of September. But a decision was made to have that party exactly one week later, so it was eight days after the Twin Towers fell. So my friend and I from Divinity School, who were both friends of, of this person celebrating her birthday, we drove down into the city I don't know how many days the city had even been open for people to come in, but it was one of the early trips to be able to get back in. And I'll never forget when we arrived in Manhattan, driving in his car, as the sun was starting to set, there was just a difference, a feeling. The air had changed. The city, in fact, seemed like it was glistening. The way people were moving, the way the traffic was flowing. I remember seeing American flags on the buildings and as it was beginning to be nightfall, there were lights shining on them. And I remember how bright they were. And then what stopped me in my tracks is when we passed a fire station and to see the mountains of flowers that were set out. Everybody knew what that meant. They knew about the sacrifices that had been made. I remember seeing a fire truck and the flowers adorning the truck on the front and the back as well. And so we had this uh, birthday party. It was in a restaurant with a large table. And we, we just had the opportunity to be together. And it was memorable in how joyous it was. And it lasted probably Two hours. We, we were gathered, and we were celebrating and talking, and my friend and I were the only two people at that table that weren't currently residents of New York City. And I remember as things were settling down, and you, you know when a party is about to break up and people are going to start making their way home, and right around that time, somebody said something about what had happened the last week. Everybody had been... Aware the whole time, but nobody had brought it up, and it was like a little respite from it and I, I could see the gazes change. I could see everybody start to look down and It was unfortunate that the party actually ended on that note. My friend and I actually spent the night in New York. we stayed uh, on couches of a mutual friend in Brooklyn who drove us. he was at the party, we went downtown. Uh, and we passed Union Square and if you know New York City Union Square is a great park on 14th Street and our friend who was driving actually worked for the parks for the city of New York and um, he was complaining as we got near to Union Square he said you won't believe what you're going to see this is terrible we've lost control and what we saw were votive candles filling the park people gathered in mourning and Praying. And of course, I was thinking, this isn't terrible, this is wonderful. Uh, the George Washington statue, if you've seen it, the, uh, the hindquarters of the horse that had painted a peace sign on it. <laughs> and we could still see the smoke coming up, and the lower part of Manhattan was blocked off. You couldn't come to it. And to be honest, I wasn't sure if I was up for all of the reliving, revisiting of September of this year. I knew that it was going to happen. You could feel in the build-up. But perhaps like some of you, I did get drawn in. I found myself watching some of the documentaries, the remembrances, yes. reading some of the articles, and it has helped me to understand why this event has such a pull for us. And... But what I'm finding is I'm being drawn especially not just to 9-11 but to 9-12 and to 9-13. My wife who was living in Brooklyn at the times before we met, she used to work in New Jersey and she would travel under the World Trade Center every morning and she still got to work that day but took a different way. Um, she has her own stories to tell. But I asked her yesterday, I said, what did you do on the 12th of September? He said, we all gathered in parks. We were with each other. That quality that was in the air was real. There was an opening up then, a a power that came with recognizing the value of life. The lives of those who perished and the lives of those still living of loved ones as well as strangers, of heroes and regular people. And all of these finally recognized for who they are, which is neighbors. And so Jesus, in the Gospel, is asking the disciples, who do people say that I am? And then ultimately he says, well, who do you say that I am? He's asking, what do they understand as His identity. And, you know, the disciples here, like in many places, they look like they're caught kind of off their footing. They're they're usually bumbling quite a bit. I I imagine this scene taking place where the disciples don't respond immediately because everyone's a little afraid to give the wrong answer. Uh, Peter, of course, is not as afraid as the others. Um, But let's give the disciples some credit because we should remember they did know who he was, on certain levels. They had dropped everything in their lives, their livelihoods, they'd gone away from their families. And they'd done this to follow him. They're showing up. They're drawn to him and what he's doing and they can feel the difference that he is making and the love that he is spreading, and how he's bringing light into the dark places and healing everything that he encounters. And so, when Peter says, Messiah, uh, we get an interesting reaction from Jesus. He doesn't say, bingo, you got it right. Uh, He doesn't say it's wrong either. He says, tell nobody about me in this way. Well, the mystery is solved when we realize that the word Messiah was correct, but the understanding of who Messiah really is was not yet correct. The disciples thought Messiah was the one to come with military power to liberate the people by physical force. It turns out this, this Messiah is here with spiritual power and spiritual force to redeem us. And so that's why Jesus tells them they have their eyes still set on earthly things and they need to look heavenward and lift their gaze to things heavenly. I believe Jesus was very present 20 years ago. When facing such tremendous loss, so many people woke up to the preciousness of the lives that were lost, as well as the lives of the living. And we need more Jesus today. We need to wake up again. We need that healing. We've gone in these 20 years from 9-11 To 1-6. Interestingly, I as I was editing the sermon yesterday morning, um, I saw in a Washington Post article a little summary of what former President George W. Bush said. He said the same thing. We've gone from 9-11 to 1-6. And how did we get here? It seems that we as a country cannot even agree on even basic things like uh, basic things because everything is so politicized. And so, even good things that can protect us and our neighbors, like masks and vaccines, it's more than unfortunate what we're seeing today. It's tragic because if you think of it, we have an average of more than 1,600 people as of today. That's what we're saying, more than 1,600 people each day, mostly of our unvaccinated brothers and sisters who are dying. And so it really struck me yesterday when the names were being read and remembered of every one of the nearly 3,000 people who died 20 years ago, each name being read and remembered. And we have more than that in two days. And it's largely something that could be avoided if we could learn to speak to each other again, to hear each other again, and to find a way to be united once again. And looking forward, we have terrible things in store for us all if we don't come together soon on the reality of climate change and the threat that it is to our whole planet. Only if we can come together can we protect this fragile earth, our island home, as the prayer book puts it correctly. And healing for the pandemic of racism remains extremely elusive, and for that pandemic, there is no vaccine. I moved to New York City uh, a little bit after 9-11, and I lived there for about two years. And I remember at that time seeing bumper stickers on the back of some cars where it said, United We Stand. And I fear that Where we are now, the bumper sticker accurately would say, divided we fall. So the question is, how do we get back? A friend of mine recently used a term that caught my attention. She said um, that she feels that there's such a thing as communal trauma, and I think she's right. Uh, She noticed that there is more need right now than what any one person can offer. So it turns out that for communal trauma, we have to have communal healing, communal faith, or simply communion. And we come to places like this sanctuary not merely for comfort or even for learning, but for communion with our Lord and with one another, to learn to see again, to see the face of Christ in the face of a neighbor, As the contemporary Irish theologian Pete Rollins points out, we have a strong concept of friend and a strong concept of enemy, but in between the two is neighbor. And neighbor is different enough to be a threat, but close enough to be a blessing. And it is a challenge to expand who it is that we call neighbor, but it is the path that leads towards life, individually and communally. To walk in love, to live in the way of Christ, and to take up his cross requires us to learn about being a neighbor to one another again. And when we do, we will glimpse things heavenly. Amen.